0: Or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Hey
1: everybody, welcome again to another edition of Open Line Tuesday here on EWTN. Jack Williams away today. I'm Tom Price. Uh, Delighted to be with our Tuesday host from the Fathers of Mercy, Father Wade Menezes.
2: How are you, Padre? I'm doing great, Tom, and it's good to have you with us today. Again, uh, pitch hitting there for Jack
1: glad to be doing it. Let me give you the phone numbers right now since uh, they do tend up to fill up rather early on Tuesdays. Here it is 833-288-EWTN. If you have a question for Father Wade Menezes, 833-288-3986. If you're listening to us outside of North America, please dial 1-205-271 Two nine eight five. You can always send us an email. The address for that open line at ewtn.com. Open at ewtn.com. Be sure you put Tuesday or Father Wade in the subject line. So a big topic uh, to lead us off today, Father. We're going to be talking about the archangels and the holy and holy guardian angels, right?
2: Yeah, that's right, Tom. Uh, on September 29th, we celebrated the great uh, feast day of the Archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And on the 2nd, yesterday on Monday, we celebrated the Holy Guardian angels. So I just want to kind of comb through the Church's teaching a little bit on the angels uh, to provide our Open Line Tuesday listeners a little bit of a, of a basic general catechesis. So here we go. Okay. You know, angels are pure spirits created and employed by God as ministers of His divine will. And God appoints guardian angels to watch over men and women, to assist them in their prayer, to represent them before God, and at the moment of their death, and to guide them throughout their life, uh, to present their souls to God at the time of death. Guardian angels defend humans against the assaults of the enemy, the devil and all his wiles and temptations, thereby helping us live out our faith committedly and devotedly. In fact, devotion to the guardian angels is an expression of faith in God's everlasting love and providential care for each and every single person. Various passages in sacred scripture speak of guardian angels, such as Luke twenty three twenty, wherein we read, Look, I am sending an angel to precede you, to guard you as you go, and bring you to the place that I have prepared. And Psalms 91 11, uh, for God commands the angels to guard you in all your ways. And of course, Tom, let us not forget the traditional Catholic prayer to one's guardian angel. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me near, ever this day be at my side. To light, to guard, to rule and to guide. Amen. And you know, Tom, each time I get behind the wheel in my truck... I pray that prayer in the first person, plural. Mm. Uh, angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us all near, ever this day be at our sides to light, to guard, to rule, and to guide. Thus praying not only for my own guardian angel, but also for the guardian angels of those persons in their own vehicles driving, driving around me and past me. Mm-hmm. And I do the same thing whenever I fly, to the, uh, praying to the guardian angels of the pilots and the flight crew. So I think that's important, you know, The angels are a very uh, real entity and I think we need to call on them and include them in our daily life. Now, angels and archangels are pure spirits created and employed by God, again as ministers of His divine will, messengers from God, angels appear frequently in sacred scripture, but only Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael are named as archangels. Each of these archangels are presented in sacred scripture with a distinct mission. Michael comes to protect, Gabriel comes to announce and Raphael comes to guide. The archangel Saint Michael, known as the prince of the heavenly host, appears in Daniel's vision as the great prince, quote end quote, protecting Israel against its adversaries. In the book of Revelation also, the, the book of the apocalypse, uh, Saint Michael also leads God's armies to the final victory over the forces of evil at the end times. The Archangel St. Gabriel also appears in Daniel's visions, proclaiming Michael's work in God's plan. He is most commonly known for his announcement of the sacred incarnation at the time of the Annunciation of our Lord, St. Gabriel is, when the Blessed Virgin Mary agrees to bear God's only begotten son with her fiat, Latin for let it be, let it be done unto me according to thy word. And in the book of Tobit, of course, the Archangel Raphael guides Tobit's son. Tobiah, uh, through a, a series of adventures that lead to a threefold happy ending to a beautiful story involving his chase, marriage to Sarah. And, and so in short, Tom, we can say that the archangels are reminders to us of God's protection, uh, communication, and guidance in our daily lives. Uh, a guardian angel is a celestial spirit that cannot be forgotten, assigned by God, again, to watch over each and every individual human life. Uh, this... General doctrine of the guardian angel's care for each human person is part of the church's constant tradition, based on not only scripture, but also on on the magisterial teaching of the church, uh, which stems uh, not only from scripture, but from the writings of the church fathers, especially the first seven centuries. The role of the guardian angel is both to guide and to guard, to guide as a messenger of God's will to our minds, and to guard as an instrument of God's goodness in protecting us from evil. This protection from evil is mainly from the evil of sin and the malice of the devil, but it is also protection from physical evil uh, insofar as this is useful or necessary uh, to guard the soul from spiritual harm. And get this, Tom, a feast honoring the guardian angels has been celebrated in October throughout the Universal Church since the 17th century. It now occurs on October 2nd of each and every year, Mm. even though, of course, the doctrine has always been held. And, And one of the most consoling truths of our one holy Catholic and apostolic faith is that God's providence does not only govern the cosmos from afar, But that he also shows an intimate concern for the welfare of each individual person and a touching sign of this truth is that god gives each of us an angel a guardian angel to serve as a protector and as a guide throughout our entire life. Our guardian angel's mission is to conduct us safely through the perils of our earthly life and to the joys of eternal life, so that we can be assured of their powerful help in all things when we seek to win the joys of heaven. St. Francis de Sales tells us concerning the holy guardian angels, and I love this, quote, "...specially love and revere the guardian angel of the diocese in which you live." those of the friends who surround you and your own guardian angel commune with them frequently join in their songs of praise and seek their protection and help in all that you do spiritual or temporal so it's also in our temporal life that we can call on the angels singularly that's assigned to us or communally, in the first person plural, praying for our diocesan guardian angels who oversees the the protection of the diocese. Uh, It's also in the tradition of the Church that entire cities and nations have their own guardian angel. Remember the apparitions of Our Lady at at Fatima, Portugal, when the angel of Portugal appeared to the three shepherd children. So this is just a beautiful doctrine, uh, Tom, and our Heavenly Father shows his love for us as we make our way here below on earth toward heaven. And in addition to all that we receive through the ministry of Holy Mother Church, we also enjoy the help of the saints, those holy men and women who have preceded us in heaven. And still more, God gives each person one of his own individual and personal guardian angels to be a spiritual companion and guide. This guardian angel, who has charge over each person, is charged precisely to keep the person safe from harm and give us help and encouragement in pleasing God and gaining an eternal reward in heaven. And so, Tom, we call upon our guardian angels with devotion and gratitude, great devotion, and great gratitude, I might add, so that one day we may look upon the face of our Heavenly Father with our own guardian angel. How beautiful is that? Oh, yeah. So... Uh, I'd like our, our listeners to be able to call in today and give us a witness maybe about uh, your own guardian angel and uh, g- help expound on this truth of the Church's teaching on the holy angels. Um, we appreciate very much our Open Line Tuesday listeners wherein we talk about faith, family, and fellowship. And uh, we ask our guardian angels to watch over our our family members, huh? Along with our family members, own guardian angels. And so, this is a beautiful truth and a beautiful doctrine of our one holy Catholic, and apostolic faith. It is so
1: reassuring, isn't it, Father, to have to to know that that guardian angel is is nearby and looking out.
2: Exactly, exactly. And again, the Church is teaching that not only your diocese in which you live, but also uh, nations and cities uh, have their own protecting angel. And remember, the angels are pure rational spirits, so they're intellective, huh? This is why we can commune, uh, or, you know, communicate, pray to, Uh uh, receive um, enlightenment from. Our own guardian angels, and I think this is very, very important. Like we saw Saint Raphael, the archangel, uh, guiding Tobiah, huh? yes, and Sarah as well. So uh, this is a, a very uh, important truth that that the angels are intellective spirits, pure rational spirits, um, that can guide us in our in our ways here on earth. Well, Father, you've certainly teed this up, and we've got a lot to
1: talk about this hour. If you want to share something about. Uh, perhaps your own guardian angel. We could we could do that if you've maybe you've got a question or two about the archangels. In any event, the phone number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We have two lines open right now. Standing by is uh, Gary in New York, Pennsylvania, Tony in Kerrville, Texas, Jacob in Missouri. Lots more on Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy here on EWTN. We have sold-out phones at the moment. When a line does become available, you're invited to uh, give us a a ring here at 833-288-3986 coming up on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern it's the world over with uh, Raymond Arroyo this week he and his panel will be talking about the senate as what everybody's talking about they'll be unpacking it for you that's tonight on, on Thursday night 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN radio and television don't forget you can get news from the world over in your email inbox every week sign up today visit ewtn.com click on the word subscribe if you're ready now it's go to the phones at 833 2 EWTN. We begin with Gary, a first-time caller in York, Pennsylvania, watching us today on YouTube. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind today, sir?
3: Yeah, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was just wondering if it's ever too late to have Gregorian masses said for deceased relatives. Um, My mom passed away in 2016, my dad in 2010, and I have a relative who committed suicide in 1991, and I would like to have Gregorian masses
1: said for them.
2: Okay. What a great question, Gary, and I, I want to commend you as as a, a Catholic, a practicing Catholic, and wanting to offer those suffrages for your deceased loved ones. Um, it is my understanding that. The only requirement of the Gregorian masses is that they be said in successive days, each one following the other for the 30 days, unbroken. They do not need to be celebrated celebrated by the same priest. They can be by different priests, but they need to be unbroken in the 30-day uh, sequence. And that's the only requirement. Now, while it is the mind of the Church that the Gregorian masses be offered soon after the person's passing, it is not absolutely required. And then to obtain a list of those religious orders that offer Gregorian masses uh, for the deceased, uh, unbroken, uh, you would just have to look online to see which one of those uh, are available, currently available to do so. And there are several listed. Uh, Jack and I have looked at at that list before uh, during Open Line Tuesday. Um, uh, The Fathers of Mercy, my community, we do not take... Uh, uh, public requests for the Gregorian masses, because as itinerant missionary preachers, we just cannot guarantee that we could do the 30 Mm. days unbroken. It's just not realistic for us with our active missionary preaching apostolate and being on the road. Now, there has been times where We've had a confrere pass away, and we offered the Gregorian masses, and whoever was stationed here at the House uh, took those masses with one or two other confreres who were also going to be here those days throughout that month. But as a general norm, we Fathers of Mercy do not take them, and that's why, because, again, because of the active missionary preaching apostolate. Great question, Gary. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Gary. That opens up a line for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. One line open, 833 833- Open line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN Radio. Let's go now to Tony in Kerrville, Texas, listening on the great Guadalupe Radio. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind today?
4: Hi. First I want to say um, thank you, Father Wade. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I've been reading your excellent book, Catholic Essentials, A Guide to Understanding Key Church Teachings. That's a really wonderful book. I'm glad you wrote it, and it's really helping me... To fill in some gaps about my Catholic education, I came to be Catholic after 50-plus years of being a Protestant. So there's a tremendous amount of stuff I don't know, and I don't, you, don't, you can't learn it all in RCA. And I know people who are cradle Catholics, they even tell me the people coming out of RCA uh, know more than they do in some cases. So this book would be good for them, too. I have well, a question, t- Tony. On.
2: T- Tony, thank you yeah. so much for those comments. Uh, for those of uh, those of you, uh, Open Line Tuesday live listeners that maybe are are watching right now on the YouTube live feed at EW10's YouTube page, or watching live as well, uh, video and and uh, audio as well, uh, on EW10 Radio's Facebook page. I'm holding up the book right now, Catholic Essentials. It came out just this past year, a few months back. hasn't even been a full year yet. And I want to thank you, Tony. And, and I'm glad to report. And, and it's I'm just so edified. By this, and I give God all the praise and glory because it's all his good work. I am aware so far of five different parishes that have incorporated Catholic Essentials into their RCIA program. Wow. And the thing that is so appealing That's about great. Catholic the thing that is so appealing about Catholic Essentials is that no one chapter no one chapter is over four and a half pages it's it's purposely meant to be the one-two punch as to the why of the doctrine in question so there's 81 chapters on 81 different points of catholic teaching and these 81 chapters on 81 different points of catholic teaching come from five parent categories morals dogma ecclesiology the study of the church sacraments, and liturgy. So be sure to check it out. Uh, you Open Line Tuesday listeners are watching now. I'm holding up the book to the screen. And thank you so much, Tony, for your comments. I, I've got a whole variety of, of chapter topics uh, from those five parent categories, such things as, you know, why is it morally illicit for a man and woman to cohabitate before marriage, huh? Uh, what is the Antichrist? What does the Church teach about the Antichrist at the end of time? An actual person, a spirit of the age, or both? Um, what is the proper placement of the tabernacle in the Catholic Church? What is the Church's hierarchy of preferences in regards to the placement of the tabernacle based on the history of the Church building, etc.? The occult, what does the Church teach about the occult, huh? Uh, The fathers of the Church, the doctors of the Church, what do we mean by those phrases? So just a whole variety of topics, and thank you, Tony, so much for your comments. How can we help you today, Tony? Uh,
4: Yes, Uh, one thing I want to comment on those two- and uh, three-page chapters that is perfectly matches the level of my attention span quite well. And what I'm doing is I'm going through the table of contents, and I'm saying, oh, I wonder what this is, because I don't know. I'm, I don't know what this is. So, and then also the catech- you reference the catechism of the Catholic Church. So in each, all, I mean, I think in every chapter I've read, and so that helped me to say, I want to find out more about this, and I can go back and learn more. The, quest- the question I had, or did you want to say something about that?
2: Uh, no, I think you said it very, very well. I mean, I, I I want it to be short chapters with the crux of the teaching uh, right there in front of the person. And I, I encourage the people while reading Catholic Essentials to always sit down with a, a, a fine-point red felt pen so that you can write your notes in the margin and they're easily seeable because they're red. Uh, and, and, oh, I didn't know this, so circle it, you know, or, or this reference, cross-references to this page over here because the teachings are somewhat similar and, and make a point about that in the margins. So so I just want it to be a really good catechetical uh, teaching. I, I call it Father Wade's little catechism on those 81 different points yeah, of doctrine. So. Yeah.
4: It so, is, because I miss some of that stuff. I at not Marcia. I went through a nine-month program, but you just can't get everything in there. Sure, and, sure. Uh, of course. And, and also, I've, I have been marking it, but I'm using a black pen. I'll use a red one from now on.
2: Okay, so, good, but, good. I, I, I'm, as an yeah, editor, I'm, to, I'm very partial to the red pen. Yeah. How can we? You had a specific yeah, I, questions about the Fathers of the Church, Tony?
4: Yes, I did. On page 159, uh, I read that, and it said, uh, the Church teachers and writers of the early centuries whose teaching are a witness to the tradition of the Church. I'm confused between the fathers of the Church and the Doctors of the Church. I'm thinking, I I don't know, you know, and on the Doctors of the Church, are there going to be any more of those? And are are there going to be, were there any women Fathers of the Church? I'm just confused, because I thought,
2: I thought the Fathers of the Church were the same thing. Great question. So the fathers of the church are those... Early church bishops, ecclesiastical writers who may not have been a bishop, but who contributed greatly by the expanse of their writings on theology and doctrine, especially during the first eight centuries of the church. So, the, the patristic age, from the Latin word pater, which means father, the patristic age is the first seven to eight centuries. Most theologians will acknowledge it goes up to the end of the eighth century. And that, that whole season of writers, what we call the fathers of the church, that season, if you will, from the first eight centuries is closed so we have the fathers of the church and it's a it's 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 a sealed list and you can find a list of both the western fathers of the ch- of the western church and the eastern fathers of the eastern church it's very easy to find online for example okay now the doctors of the church is an area that can still continue to grow. In fact, it has more recent century uh, uh, canonized saints. Now, a doctor is going to be a saint who, again, has an expanse of writings on particular topics within church teaching and doctrine. Uh, so far, we have 36 of them. Four of them are women, because you asked about women. Uh, Hildegard of Bangen, which was a great... She was a great theologian and a great um, lover of liturgical music. St. Catherine of Siena, who brought the papacy back from Avignon, France, during a time of an anti-pope, back to Rome. She just a great, great uh, saint in the life of the Church. Saint Teresa of Avila, the great Carmelite mystic, and Saint Therese of the uh, Jeux, the doctor of the Church's missionary activity. Uh, on earth. So she's also known as the doctor of the science of wisdom, huh, with her little way. So St. Tildegard of Bingen, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila, and St. Therese of Lisieux. So those are four women who are the, part of the list of 36 doctors of the church. Now as far as the fathers of the church go, there are no women. Most of them are bishops, and that was the reason why there's no early uh, female writers, uh, given that time of the first eight centuries. But the category of the doctors of the church can continue to still grow. In fact, Therese was named not too long ago. Then you have a subsequent list, for example, that a pope might might name. So for example, Pope St. John Paul II, in 1997, he named St. Edith Stein, whose name in religion is St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. He named St. Edith Stein St. Bridget of Sweden, who's one of the saints of Catholic homeschooling mothers, by the way, and Catherine of Siena, who I've already named as one of the four doctors of the Church, he named Edith Stein, Bridget of Sweden, Catherine of Siena the three co-patronesses of Europe. So you can have sub-lists like that that are very specific to a particular category, in this case, three co-patronesses, meaning the feminine, the the females, of Europe because of their volume of writings and what they contributed to European culture during their times. So great question on the difference between the doctors of the Church and the fathers of the Church, and whether or not there were any female fathers of the Church. Great question, Tony. Thank you so much.
1: Appreciate that, Tony. Let's go now to Jacob, a first-time caller in Missouri, listening on the the Great Catholic Radio Network. Jacob, what's on your mind today, sir?
5: Um, hi. I was just wondering. Um, so, I'm not. I'm not Catholic, but for whatever reason, I was compelled today for the first time. I went and I prayed at my local cathedral, and I just, as soon as I got in the car, your guys' radio station was on, and I was just calling because. Sure. Um, I, one of the big things I've always struggled with that I, I never understood about the Catholic faith was just the connection between Mary and the saints, and why they're such a the Catholic thing, and it's not really present anywhere else. And I guess any other advice you guys might have for me.
2: Okay, great question. Well, well, it is it is existent in other faiths, including some of the Protestant faiths. Like the Anglicans have the they believe in the doctrine of the communion of saints, a little different than we do, but they would believe in in veneration of the saints, and that's the answer to your, to your question right there: veneration versus adoration. And the Church has three um, Latinized Greek terms that help very specifically, Jacob, to give us the distinction between um, adoration, strictly speaking, which is reserved alone for the three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Most Blessed, All Adored, uh, Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that uh, Latinized Greek term is Latria. And we'll, we'll come back to this when we come back from our break, but you ask an excellent question. I'm so glad you called today.
1: Sit tight, uh, Jacob. We'll continue with that on the other side. We'll also talk with James in Pensacola, Mary Ann in Mattawan, Michigan, Cassie in St. Louis, uh, Mary in Gainesville, uh, Virginia, oh, wow, Lila in Aurora, Ohio. Sold out phones here on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Do stay with us.
0: This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio
1: Network. Glad you're with us for Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN. In a moment, we're going to get back to the phones and uh, continue that question from Jacob in Missouri. But first, I want to offer my congratulations, our congratulations, going out to two more members of the EWTN radio family, both celebrating eight years with us. Tri-State Catholic Radio. They are in Jasper, Indiana. Also, the Benedictine Fathers of the Sacred Heart Mission. They've got a great FM station in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Hey, congratulations to both great radio apostolates from your friends here at EWTN. So, Father, we were uh, talking with Jacob, uh, talking all about uh, Marian uh, devotion and prayer to saints. Why is that not idolatry?
2: Well, because of the distinction that the Church makes in her teaching very, very clearly. Latria is reserved for the three divine persons alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is adoration, quote-in-quote, properly speaking. Mm-hmm. Veneration, that, again I'm going to repeat it, veneration as opposed to adoration. Veneration, per se, is reserved to the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints because of their intercessory power as part of the communion of saints, the members of the Church triumphant in heaven aiding us, members of the church militant still living on earth, and aiding as well the members of the church purgative or the church suffering in purgatory also known as the church penitent. This three-tiered hierarchy known as the doctrine of the communion of saints. And Jacob, I I would invite you, especially after visiting the cathedral and seeing the beauty of the cathedral and the, I believe, the statuary you saw that in part is helping you uh, to be inspired to call to ask this question, and I'm so glad you did, to read the section in the universal catechism. and If you don't own a copy, you can just pull it up online. The section on the three-tiered hierarchy of the doctrine of the communion of saints. It's a very beautiful section in the catechism. So, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints receive what's called dulia. That's the Greek Latinized term in that regard. Dulia means uh, veneration, not adoration. Again, adoration, properly speaking, is latria, L A T R I A. Dulia, D U L I A, like the feminine name Julia, but with a D instead of a J. Dulia means veneration, and it's reserved for the angels and saints. Now, hyperdulia, Hyper in the Greek means the greatest of, Jacob. The phrase hyper, and then a hyphen, and then dulia, hyperdulia obviously means the greatest of veneration, right? Of the category of veneration. That is reserved to the Blessed Virgin Mary alone as the mother of God, the Theotokos, the Godbearer, which was solemnly defined uh, by the Council of, of Ephesus in 451 A.D., Okay, she's the Theotokos, she's the the God-bearer, she's the Mother of God. Jesus was a divine person, one person, a divine person with two distinct natures, uh, human and divine. And women don't give birth to natures, they give birth to persons. <laughs> and because he was a divine person, specifically the second person of the most holy trinity, um, uh, she is the mother of God, we say. Uh, women give birth to persons who have a nature to them, and Christ had the two natures of human and divine co uh, coexisting, co-subsisting, each one not convoluting the other in the one divine personage of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. So I, I would never look in a crib and, and tell the mother and father, oh, what a beautiful nature you have. No, I would say, I would say, what a beautiful baby you have, because it's a person of a baby. Mm. Okay, and this was solemnly defined in 451 at the Council of, of Ephesus. So... Uh, we give hyperdulia, the greatest of veneration to the Blessed Virgin as Mother of God, dulia to the angels and saints. Angels there. That was my springboard topic today, Jacob. If you came in late, please go back and listen to the opening uh, 11 minutes of the show before our first break at 11 after. I talk about the angels and archangels. So because they're intellective, pure rational spirits, they can receive dulia. They can receive veneration. Now, Jacob, get this, and this is a great message for us men, okay? while latria hyperdulia and dulia are de fide meaning of the faith we are bound to believe in this with the ascent of faith there is a fourth category that is not taught de fide by the church but you can hold it with what's called theolo- uh, theological conjecture you can have theological conjecture about this and it's the fourth category of proto dulia now proto in the greek means first of and who would receive the first of veneration, the protodulia? St. Joseph, the foster father of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Mm. And the just man, the all-virtuous man, the all-holy man, fully human, just like you and I, Jacob, gives a great example of what it means to be a man. All right and so you can have theological conjecture even though it's not taught de fide you can have theological conjecture as Father Don Callaway for example makes so clear in his book on consecration to Saint Joseph that came out a few years ago in time for the year of Saint Joseph that Pope Francis called for uh, a special year in honor of Saint Joseph uh, you can have theological conjecture that that Saint Joseph receives protodulia so if we start at the top and work our way down and include the protodulia the diagram Jacob would look like this lotria at the very top, which is adoration, not veneration, but adoration, three divine persons, period, that's it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, nobody else. Then hyperdulia, which is the first level of veneration, it means the greatest of veneration, hyperdulia, that's Blessed Virgin Mary alone as the Theotokos, the Mother of God. Then protodulia, the first of veneration would be Saint Joseph, and then Fourthly and lastly, Dulia, which simply means veneration. And that would be all the other angels and saints. So Jacob, does that kind of help you out? How we Catholics, uh, and and it's because of the intercessory power of those in Dulia, okay, Blessed Mother St. Joseph and the angels and saints, because of the three-tiered hierarchy of the doctrine of the communion of saints, the church triumphant who are already in heaven, the church militant still living on earth, like me and you, Jacob, fighting the good fight of faith as St. Paul talks about in the New Testament, and St. Peter as well. And then... Uh, The church penitent, also known as the church purgative or the church suffering, the holy souls in purgatory who are assured heaven after their purgation, okay? They had temporal punishment still to atone for at the time of their earthly death, uh, but they are assured heaven, and this is why they're part and parcel with the doctrine of the communion of saints. Jacob, I hope that helps you out. Read about St. Joseph, man. He's a great one to have on your side, yes. Uh, either as a single man or as a husband and father. So God bless you, and thanks for such a great question. Appreciate
1: that, Jacob. Uh, don't be a stranger. Call us back another time. It is uh, Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade here on EWTN. Let's go now to James in Pensacola, listening on the great Guadalupe Radio. Hey, James, what's on your mind today, sir?
5: What's on my mind is
1: that I was watching the news the other day, and uh, while I was watching the news, there was a nine-year-old girl up in New York that was kidnapped. And uh, I, I immediately, in my heart, went out to that girl, wondered where she was at. So I just started praying the angel of God by guardian Deer.
5: Whom God love, me here. Ever this day, be at my side the light the guard the ruling God.
1: Amen. And I kept praying that for her. Mm. And lo and behold, they did find her safe.
2: Mm. Yeah, praise God. They- I just read that uh, last night uh, in the evening when I finally got around to looking at the day's news that uh, she was found. I believe her name was uh, Charlotte Sina, C- uh, I believe is what her name was, and a nine-year-old was found. And we do praise God that she was found unharmed. Uh, she was indeed abducted as well. And so we thank God for keeping her safe and for her guardian angel, uh, uh, In through her guardian angel's intercession, keeping her safe. You know, there is evil in the world, and uh, such uh, uh, events like that don't always have such a pleasant outcome, and that's part of the mystery of evil and yeah. God's, own des- uh, God's own permissive will, not his ordaining will, but mm-hmm. his permissive will. Uh, and, and so it, it remains a mystery, as the Catechism teaches, that the problem of evil remains a mystery, but we have the faith that uh, whatever the outcome is, um, it's meant to be the best for the individual. And I, re- I remember a case where a young priest died when somebody broke into the, into the rectory, this happened in Arizona. Uh, a young priest died, not ordained that long, and somebody uh, busted into the home and and shot him. Uh, oh. it, was, it was it was a it was a drug. Uh, the person was high on drugs and uh-huh. strung out on drugs. Mm. And uh, when I asked the senior priest who was stationed there with him, um, you know, about the particulars of the crime, he he says the only way I can make sense of this is that Father So-and-So, the young priest, he named him by name, he said, the only way I can make sense of this is that his personal story of sanctity came to a close. God deemed his personal story of sanctity, holiness, Come to a close through his God's permissive will, not his ordaining will, because God didn't ordain that evil to happen, but yeah. God permitted it in His in His divine and mysterious wisdom. And I just thought that was so beautiful that this this newly ordained priest of only several years, who ex- who died at the expense of this horrendous crime, uh, that that his personal story of sanctity came uh, to a close. God deemed it necessary to come to a close through his permissive will that the, the the young priest had done enough. And indeed, he was known for his holiness. He was known for his prayer life. And uh, the people still uh, talk about him till this day. So yes, I want to thank you for this call. Uh, Carl, and excuse me, for James, uh, and, and for making this so clear to us uh, in regards to the importance of, of communicating and praying to the guardian angel to aid the person. Thank you so much, James.
1: Thank you, James, for your prayers, and thank you so much for your call. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade here on EWTN. You know, one of my great... Uh, we all have habits that we, uh, you know, tackle every morning. And one of my habits is, is quite honestly, listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, we bring it to you every day, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on EWTN Radio. Anna Mitchell, Matt Swaim, starting out your day with news and interviews with a Catholic perspective. Always a fantastic program. Sure does get my day off to a great start. Check it out tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on EWTN Radio. Let's go now to Mary Ann in Mattawan, Michigan, listening on the Great Holy Family Radio. Mary Ann, what's on your mind today? Hello.
5: Thank you so much for taking my call. It's uh, always a pleasure to listen to you, and I'm learning how to be a better Catholic. Well, praise God. Um, My story, yes, thank you. My story is about my husband, actually. He was out mowing the lawn one day with a tractor. It wasn't a large tractor, a big tra- you know, a big enough tractor. And he did not know that our four-year-old son was following him behind the tractor. Ooh. So he stopped to do something, and he um, was going to back up. But he said, right, just as he's ready to, you know, put it in reverse and go backwards, he felt something pushed on his shoulder. And he was like, well, what the heck is that? and turned around and looked, and then saw our son back there. And he said, all I could think was, my guardian angel is working overtime for me today. Because he said, I definitely would have ran over him and killed him, most likely. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you bring so, up that, oh, Go ahead, go ahead.
5: No, that's all. Just,
2: okay. And well, Marianne, I, I you bring up an interesting <laughs> point. You make an interesting point. I have heard story after story after story over the years, even when I was a layman, from individuals who include as part of their daily, daily spiritual life, they're praying uh, to their guardian angel and they're communicating with their guardian angel through prayer, through a life of piety, as the church wants us to, right? Uh, where they have had a story where they literally felt a nudge or something at a time of of what could have been a serious accident. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm looking at Cassie's uh, call coming in next, uh, something that she's going to say that is also something I've heard in in addition to an actual push or shove, like you just said, Marianne, Cassie's going to tell something about seemingly quote-unquote moving in slow motion, and I have heard about that phenomenon as well. So Marianne, be sure to listen to Cassie, who's coming up next. Thank you, Marianne, for such a great uh, testimony, and God bless your husband, and God bless your son.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Marianne. Uh, Let's indeed go to Cassie in St. Louis, listening on the Great Covenant Network. Uh, Tell us that story there, Cassie. Hey,
3: guys. Hey, Father Wade. Um, So when I was four and five years old, I lived in a neighborhood that had one way in, one way out. It was basically a giant cul-de-sac. So I was given the freedom while my mom was in with the toddler and my brother Tommy was at in first grade to I had boundaries, you know, driveways, can't go across the street. But I was a climber and I climbed everything. And I would talk to God like all day while I was outside by myself. So I ran out of things to climb in my yard. And there was a tree across the street that was just calling my name. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I disobeyed my mother, and I ventured across the street, and I climbed this tree, and I just I would climb things as high as I could. And at one point, I don't know what happened, but suddenly I'm falling straight back, and what was below me was the street because it was on the public strip. And I had immediate terror, and then all of a sudden... I'm falling in slow motion. It was as if I was like in a sheet and people were holding it and gently letting me down to the ground. And when I got, and I, and it wasn't like a dream state. It was so clear. And I remember thinking like, whoa. And then when I got to the pavement, I was gently laid down like bottom shoulder, yeah. head.
2: The slow and, motion um, movement. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, it- yeah.
3: And then I got up. And I immediately ran back to my yard so I wouldn't get in trouble. But I remember thinking, (laughs) I remember thinking, well, everyone's been lying to me. Falling isn't so bad. (laughs) And then when I when I got you
2: said you said this happened when you were five, and isn't it interesting how that has remained with you for that long? Even before you attained the age of reason, you still remember it quite vividly. It sounds like. How old are you now, Cassie?
3: Um, i am fifty
2: five years old yeah and and it still remains very vivid with you and and you said it happened when you were five. is that correct, That's correct. yeah okay. yeah so so amazing, you know uh, Cassie, you and Marianne, who just came before you, those are the two phenomena that I have heard in story after story after story, specifically from people. Who, through their personal piety have made it a point to incorporate their love of their guardian angel in their daily spiritual life, their daily prayer life. It's the actual touch or even push or shove at a time of what could have been an accident. And also, the movement of the person in slow motion, like falling in slow motion, like you described with your tree incident. And it's amazing how many times I've heard both of those types of stories. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- they they keep watch over us, they keep guard over us, just as Scripture says. So thank you, Cassie, so much for a great and fantastic call, what I like to call a witness call. Thank yeah. you so much.
1: Really appreciate that. And uh, by the way, Father, you may remember there was a young lady uh, named Rita, who was walking the streets of Canton, Ohio? <laughs> That's right. She got to an intersection and she stepped out and uh, was about to be hit by a car, and yet, and but she all of a sudden she was on the other side of the street, you know, no car, yeah. no walking across, no running, uh, and and that became, of course, our own dear Mother
2: Angelica. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting about that? That is actually what she claims happened to her, Tom. Is one of the four characteristics of the risen, glorified body that the Church teaches we will have the spe- the, the 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 trait of what's called agility, uh-huh. that the that the the body obeys the soul with the greatest and ease of speed of movement from one instant to another in another place. We saw this, for example, when our Lord, who demonstrated the four characteristics of the risen, glorified body. Uh, on the road to Emmaus uh, uh, episode when right after the breaking of the bread he vanished from their sight and also in the upper room where we're specifically told in scripture the doors were locked Mm. and he all of a sudden appears to them in the upper room now now I'm not saying mother Angelica was experiencing that because obviously she was a young girl she hadn't died yet and she surely wasn't in a glorified risen state I'm not saying that I just find it interesting when, when that story is recounted it's almost like she had a prevenient she received a prevenient grace to to kind of experience that without knowing what it was as a child you know it's just really interesting
1: fascinating it is uh, open line tuesday with father wade here on ewtn we're uh going to try to get to as many calls as we can. For those of you who couldn't get in, may I quickly recommend a wonderful weekend program we have, Corey, called The Spirit World with uh, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. They talk about angels virtually every week, so that's a Saturday morning program. Uh, check your local listings for that. Here now, Mary in Gainesville, Virginia, listening on Holy Family Communications. Mary, what's on your mind today?
3: Um, hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I just have a, a comment, and then maybe your thoughts on it. Years ago, I was at a lecture at our church, Catholic church, and it was about guardian angels, and they were saying how when you build your relationship, if you ask their name, they will tell you their name. So I was like, oh, that's really cool, right? So I started praying to my guardian angel, and I was like, well, you have a name, but you haven't told it to me yet. So I'll call, I wasn't being disrespectful. I said, oh, I'll call you Georgia, right? G-A, guardian angel, state of Georgia. So I was like, yeah, okay. So I started talking to him every day. And one day, within a few weeks, they talk about that internal voice. That something said to me, "My name is Gabriel," and since then, I've always called him Gabriel.
2: Okay, wow. well, there you have it. Now, now I've heard, I have heard of this practice uh, that come up from different speakers, uh, Catholic and non-Catholic, maybe one of our Protestant brothers and sisters about the name of the guardian angel. What we do know from the Church and her teaching is this, that that according uh, to the Directory on Popular Piety and the Sacred Liturgy, it's number 216, under the heading about devotion to the holy angels, um, the practice of assigning names to holy angels, guardian or archangel, should be discouraged. Uh, except in the cases of Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael, whose names are contained in Holy Scripture. Now, why would the Church teach this? Because to give a name is to imply having authority over the thing. Like when Adam named all the animals uh, in creation, uh, when he named all the animals of the land, the creepy crawling things and the fishes under the water, etc. It shows authority because the human person is the only creature made in God's image and likeness in the created corporeal world, and so indeed man has dominion over creation. That word dominion comes from the Latin dominus, which means lord. So the human person has lordship, uh, kingship over creation, because the the human person is higher than the lower forms of creation, the gases and the airs, the rocks and the minerals, the vegetative plants, and the brute animals. So to name our angel is to show that we have a certain authority over them, which is contrary to church teaching. Now, I'm not saying that through something with piety, this couldn't be done. Uh, in, In a case like you experienced it but it is my duty as a priest to share with others and those who might be saying it on the speaking circuit it it is contrary to what the church teaches in regards to her popular piety Mm. in regards to the angels so again we shouldn't name our guardian angels because naming another implies authority over the other Uh. and so we would not want that so again this is in number 216 of the church's directory on popular piety it goes into more detail in regards to why we shouldn't name the holy angels, whether guardian angels or, or other angels. And you can find that document, uh, by the way, uh, Mary, on, online. It's, it's great catechesis. It's, it's got beautiful writings about the sacred liturgy. And so it's something that I'm not saying that it, I'm sure it wasn't done out of malice on your part. You heard another speaker talk about this. But we shouldn't proactively go and do it. And that's the reason why. They're a superior, intellectual, pure, rational spirit. Thank you, Mary. God bless you.
1: Thanks so much. Let's go to Carrie, a first-time caller, a first-time listener, actually, driving through Oklahoma. And Carrie, what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I'm actually on the way to visit my family who lives in Kansas. My mom is battling cancer right now and is in the hospital. Mm. And Mm. uh, my dad is a a Catholic, and I, I was raised Catholic. I'm not practicing right now, but um, he mentioned to me recently about uh, imploring the saints on her behalf and praying to them on her behalf, and so I caught a snippet of your broadcast, and so I was intrigued and just wanting to know if you had any scripture verses that you could give me in the Catholic Bible and even the Protestant Bible that I might be able to just study up on this idea of guardian angels and praying to the saints a little bit more.
2: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll give you a great a source that will have scripture passages at the bottom of the page as footnotes. The Universal Catechism of the Catholic Church in the section on angels is filled with scriptural quotes. I gave a few at the beginning during my springboard topic, Uh luke twenty three twenty. I am sending an angel to precede you, to guard you as you go and bring you to the place that I have prepared. And then also the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, verse 11, for God commands the angels to guard you in all your ways. Um, and not only sacred scripture, but remember there's also magisterial documents on on the angels. For example, uh, this this. the Directory of Popular Piety and Devotion gives us the Church's angelology and what we believe about the holy angels. But I would direct you to the Universal Catechism of the Catholic Church, which you can find online, the entire document. Uh, And then on the search bar, once you pull up the catechism, go to the section on angels. And be sure to make note of the numerous Old Testament and New Testament passages um, that will guide you through the readings of that particular section. Uh, Also remember that the archangels that are named in in the New Testament, as well as the Old Testament, um, are named in the scriptures themselves, and they had a role... For example, uh, the Archangel Gabriel at the Annunciation with Mary, okay? Uh, sacred tradition holds she was at prayer at around age 14 or 15 when the Archangel Gabriel appeared to her at the time of the Sacred Incarnation, also known as the Annunciation. Many of the Church Fathers in their own personal writings and ecclesiastical writers also hold, although it's not in Scripture but it's part of sacred tradition, it was also Gabriel who appeared to Saint Joseph When St. Joseph was told, number one, be not afraid to take Mary as your spouse, for the child conceived within her is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, uh, be not afraid, Joseph, uh, rise and take the mother and child to Egypt for Herod and his army is after the child. And of course, that's the terrible massacre of the innocents of, of all the baby boys, two years of age and younger, that were massacred. Uh, so there's just numerous passages regarding not only the doctrine of the guardian angels, but also of, of the archangels. So be sure to see that section of the Catechism of the Catholic Church.
1: Kerry, thanks so much for your call. Father Wade, could we have your blessing, please?
2: Certainly, Tom. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us,
1: and we thank everybody who called in. And those of you who couldn't get in, uh, hopefully we'll uh, tackle this topic. Very important on another day. I'm Tom Price for Jack Williams. Thanks for joining us for Open Line Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks again, and God bless.